You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. Primal Radio, we're back. What's up, Thomas? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's Remembrance Sunday over here. It is. And next year, I'll have to do a load of ceremonial duties for the Army Reserves. But this year, I can just chill out. I'm a bit hungover, so it's, yeah, it's been a cool day. <laughs> well, that's right. Anyway, let's get right to it. We, well, Shinner, we have a guest on who's been on our show. This is his third time on Primal Radio, one of my favorite people. Tom, do you want to do the big introduction? I'll do a little introduction. So it's our All first right. guest that we've had three times on the show. I hadn't really? noticed, but he'd vanished off Facebook. A couple of fans who listened to the show have been like, oh, have you seen what's happened to this week's guest? Suddenly he's back. He look, he's looking better than ever. He's uh, undergone better quite forever. a big transformation. <laughs> so uh, welcome back to the show, Mike Blackgrave. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. How is everybody today? Good, Michael. Glad you were alive. I noticed. Yeah. So Mike was on our show originally because I don't know how you even came on my radar. I guess YouTube or something or we knew someone in common you know how people just kind of come up and yeah i started watching your your clips on training and your position on things and i found you really interesting and i thought you'd be a great guest a guy i'd love to get to train with and, and hang out with and then uh, i guess that's how it came about the first time and then it was a great episode great show one of our top shows and then we had john for these guys down in texas who got in a shooting at a over the garbage or something and and now you had an interesting take on. Did you ever hear whatever came of that? And has that ever crossed anyone's radar? I mean, I haven't heard anything that they got out. I mean, they got jammed up on homicide charges. So, and they didn't look like they could pay a good lawyer or anything. So, no I would say they're, they're probably still in. Wow, that's crazy. Tom, did you ever hear anything about that? I didn't. Oh, we should have researched that before this show, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, I was just curious. Look, because quasi it doesn't affect us to show. Might have faded away or come back. But anyway, so we have you back now. You had, you, you were pretty public out there with a lot of different things. And I, I know you had some things going on in your life that made you sit back and look at it. But you kind of just disappeared off of social media, kind of off yeah. the radar. Do you want to kind of uh, yeah. let us know what happened? Yeah, last year, I got the transformation of a lifetime. I got told by my physician, uh, you have two choices, Mr. Blackgrave, live or die. Yeah. yeah, it was that cut and dry. I went in for my VA physical every year. You know, you get your annual physical. And right. when I went into the physical, when I weighed in, I weighed 321 pounds. Holy shit. Which, you, know, you are six foot five. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't like I was this big blob, but that's a lot of weight to carry. And I knew something was going on because I was getting tired during training. I was more lackadaisical. The hardest part was all of a sudden they said, Mr. Blackgrave, your blood pressure is 158 over 92. And this was a resting blood pressure, and I was in pre-diabetic stages. Mm. And then the doctor looked at me, and she said, that's not the worst thing. And I said, excuse me. Right. And she said, your blood test uh, revealed hepatitis C. Wow. Wow. And okay. so I had contracted hepatitis C, and they believe I contracted it during my time in the service because a lot of people in my area where I was stationed at in uh, Germany at the time, they didn't know what hep C was. I was back in the Army before the ARC. So they didn't right. even know what yeah. it was, you know. I was pretty distraught with everything, and I was thinking to myself, wow. And I came home, and I was talking to mom, and my little girl overheard me. And she came out of the room, stood beside me crying, and I said, what's the matter? She goes, 
are you going to go with mama in heaven? Wow. Mm. Like, that's what she asked me. It, it broke me right there. It broke me. And okay. uh, I had to make a decision in my life whether I needed to continue the way I was going, living kind of a lie because I never dealt with my wife's passing. I, and I just pushed it down and pushed it away. And then after she told me that, I kind of sat down and I took inventory of my life. And I had realized that I hadn't dealt with my wife's death. I didn't think I was drinking too much, but all of a sudden I noticed that a bottle of whiskey was gone every three days. And I never realized it. And then all of a sudden I looked at that paper gain, that 321 pounds. And I said to myself, I got to do something here. And I got to concentrate on something besides whatever I was concentrating on. So I literally decided to make the move. Well, they actually banned me from Facebook, first of all. That was the very first thing they banned. <laughs> Did they, they really banned. get out of town? Do you know what they said? That pissed them off what? I posted a poem from Rudyard Kipling in 2012 called The White Man's Burden. And oh, this was yeah. in 2012. And they finally glitched on it and wrote me or sent me whatever their little thing saying that I had broken all their policy standards for putting <laughs> racial stuff up, this <laughs> and the other Pathetic. stuff. And I literally, they, I had, when I got back on Facebook a year later, I had to start all over again, new ad, new everything. So they banned me. But getting banned was actually, I think God sent me a message that said, get off. Because right. what I had ended up doing is, uh, I mean, it sounds odd to people who have never been through this type of strife. I was having a lot of troubles. All of a sudden, one night I had a dream of my wife, and she came to me in a dream, and she told me to find God. And as weird as that's going to sound to a lot of people, that's what happened. And I didn't go looking for it. It found me. And the vessel was uh, Russian Orthodoxy. And I've been studying Russian Orthodoxy ever since and attending church and uh, started talking with, you know, counselors and my priests and all that about grief and about all these things. And I just started getting right. I started with Diamond Dallas Page Yoga. And I realized how out of shape I was during the very first yoga session. I couldn't get in 15 minutes with it out, without, without breathing. With, with, you know, I was horrible. And then I started eating real clean and organic. I quit, totally quit drinking. I don't drink anything. I mean, I'm clean. I don't eat any kind of crappy food. I started investigating intermittent fasting. I started walking a mile and a half every three days or every other day. And then I just gradually kept going. All of a sudden, the weight started coming off and coming off. And then I was uh, introduced to Ashtanga yoga. And through Ashtanga yoga, which is old school yoga, more weight dropped off. And then I got, then I started rediscovering kettlebells and rediscovering everything in my life. The martial arts took on a whole new meaning to me. It just wasn't this physical thing that I could kick somebody's butt with. That was no longer the issue. I was finding the health benefits in it. I was finding the meditative benefits in it. And through uh, Russian Orthodoxy, studying the Bible, reading the Bible and starting to get right and talking with people, you start to realize just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to be some kind of weakling. <clears throat> Matter of fact, in Russian Orthodoxy, it's dubbed as warrior's Christianity. Because, I mean, the Spetsnaz, for God's sake, they got their own priests that jump with them. So I said, I'm in the right place <laughs> with this, you know? Right, right. And that's what happened. And, and to this very day, I my last doctor's appointment, I was 236 pounds, no signs of diabetes. My blood pressure was 107 over 70. Body wow. fat was down up. 15 percent i'm running four or five miles at a clip running eight minute miles uh wow. yoga i feel like i'm 28 years old again and my martial arts ability is better and the most sure. important thing is my my daughter says daddy i like to see you smile again and that's yeah. that was the most important thing 
I think before the first time, we never had touched on it. So your wife had passed away. Yeah. Was that a sudden thing? Was it she ill for a while? Because I'm not she, really sure. She, she, she was... Uh... She was Filipina. She had a very rare uh, bone marrow disorder called Rosai Dorfman syndrome, where she did not quite make enough white blood cells. That on top of the uh, diabetes that she got later on in life just made this vicious cycle. And for Mm -hmm. six years, she had been into three comas. I had to teach her. They had to teach her how to walk again twice. We knew for six years there was no cure for this. She would be good for a year, and then she'd be bad for six months, then she'd be good for a year, and then she'd be good, you know. But it kept getting closer and closer, her bad days and good days. And then on a Thursday uh, afternoon, she had gone back to work. She came home, and she had a real low-grade fever, like 99.6, thinking maybe a common cold. And by the next morning, I had to rush her into the uh, hospital. She had slipped into a coma, and four days later, she had a brain aneurysm, and I had to take her off of light support. She couldn't. She was dead in four days. Wow. Yeah. That was ter- and that's terrible. And yeah. yet you just, as you said earlier, you never really processed that. You never really dealt with that. I guess I your way of dealing with it was uh, yeah, drinking and just ignoring it. At, huh? at the time, I didn't have time to process it. I yeah. was raising my stepson. I was raising right. my time. My daughter was only seven. I was raising them. I had to figure out a new place to live. I had to figure out a way to put out the money, keep the lights on to make this, to make that. So everything I did, I didn't even cry over it for six months. Wow. So you you were too busy doing it. And then that one day when that happens, that emotion, does that just like hit you like a storm? Like you never see it coming? I'll be honest with you. uh, I was in the shower Mm. and... I heard something in my, and we were in my old condo. I was in the shower and I stepped out of the shower and I said, Anna, is that you? And then I realized she was gone. Mm, I hit hit the floor. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. It's, uh, it's something that I don't wish on anybody because you know, the type of situation where you have to take your wife off of life support and watch her die in your arms. And you know, that's something you see in movies. You know, when you go through it, you know, like I told my, my the people who were there with me, you know, I sang our wedding song to her while she was dying mm. and I kissed her. I kissed her goodbye, you know, and that's the uh, it's the oddest thing. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but it's also the kindest thing I've ever done in my life because her and I had made a pact many years ago that if anything ever happened to either one of us that we would never leave each other in that type of a state. And yeah, that's a conversation that husband and wives have with each other. And at the yeah. time she was, she was more worried about me because you know, as well as I do, when you do, you train guns for a living and you go to ranges and stuff and you're teaching, anything can happen. Sure. A ricochet, somebody, you, you never know. So she was saying, she was more worried about me when we had that discussion, but it turns out on the other side of the aisle, it was, you know, her who passed away and, uh, when I finally did deal with it this past year, it's taken me every bit of, oh, I guess the first eight months to really process things. I mean, I was going through her things for the first time almost after three years or two and a half years. I, I finally, uh-huh. That's when I finally started going through her things. And I found little letters that she had written to me uh, that I never saw. I saw little entries into her diary that she knew she was sick and she knew she was in trouble. She was just saying, I wish I could be like everybody else. Wow. 
Mike, was there anyone that sort of helped and coached you through this? Because you haven't got anyone above you in your system or whatever it might be. Nobody. A real good friend of mine who's a, a grief counselor out of Victoria, Texas, and a fantastic martial artist, Rick Torres, he talked to us. He was the voice of reason uh, on so many things. And, you know, I've had so many people who knew about my wife's passing that were there for me. But I've always been that type of a guy, you know, that they've given the white birth to. And everybody thought I was okay because I went immediately back to training and to teaching and traveling and working a little bit. And I put on that happy face the best I could. But inside, I was just drinking too much. I was eating wrong. I wasn't sleeping. I was angry all the time. I did a lot of bad things. You know, I I taught people I shouldn't have taught. I did things that, you know, could have jeopardized my freedom at the time because I needed to put the lights on. You know, all of a sudden when my wife passed, that's, you know, $52,000 out of the household budget. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't look at it that way, but that's just the God's honest truth. She made very good money. While I don't do bad together, we did great. But all of a sudden when she passes away, now all of a sudden I have funeral expenses. Now I have insurance inquiries. Now I have past bills. Now I got a $168,000 hospital bill. Uh, that insurance would only cover portion of it because our great insurance system in this country isn't as great as people think. And so now I'm inundated with all these things and still trying to deal with a seven-year-old daughter who just lost her mother, trying to move to a new part of town so we can start fresh where we don't have to be reminded. Because, you know, while we loved our condominium, we had great times there. When somebody dies there, it's not the same place. Yeah. No, you know? cannot be. And so she needed that fresh start, and she's really doing great. She's doing fantastic. Well, this is a hard time of the year for her because her birthday is December 16th, and her mom's is December 7th. They used to celebrate together. Yeah. And it uh, used to be a big to-do in the house, you know, and then Christmas a week later. We, this is a very, very quiet time for us now, a very uh, reflective time, a very somber time for us. It gets better, a little bit better each year, but, you know, I keep off as, as mature as my daughter is and as smarter she is i keep forgetting sometimes she's only 10 wow you know? so they can and, teach us a lot of things though you know about oh herself. yeah she right. ta- she she helped me i mean she helps me more than she even knows when i'm down <laughs> she knows she she can she can see it when i'm hurting and when i'm down right. and when i it's when i really miss her and, yeah yeah you know yeah. and we become very bond thank god for my mother because my mother is very stoic woman she i mean if there's anybody going to be a saint it's going to be her she sits with cancer patients and talks with them and she feeds the poor and she does all these things from her church and my daughter and her become very very close and my mom made a statement after my wife had passed because my mom shouldn't have been here either she actually beat a very aggressive cancer and has been cancer free for 20 years now and she said i know why god put me here it's to see this family through in this time and yeah so we're very blessed to have her in in our life and uh it's been a surreal uh, nine years, you know, because, you know, I've been enduring it. And, you know, my wife had many times, you know, all that during those those six years with my wife for actually for the last nine years, there's been no physical relations with me and my wife or with another woman because of my wife's condition. And my wife, many times she said, oh, I would understand if you would. I would understand if you would leave me and all these things. And I told her when those when that uh, priest said, you know, uh, your our vows until death to us part. I said, I take that very serious. There's no reason for me to go outside of marriage for anything that I wasn't raised that way. And I took those vows very serious. And I, it was till death to us part, you know, until the day I, I kissed her goodbye on the lips 
hold her in my arm to the hospital. And that's just that's just the way I was raised. So you were always a religious man. Has that sort of grown recently? No, I wasn't always. I was born into a Lutheran family, a German Lutheran family. And yes, while I attended church services as a young man, when I got old enough, you know, 17, 18, I started running wild and stuff. And when I got in the army, I didn't go to church. And then I went to church uh, sparingly over the years. And uh, matter of fact, before all this happened, uh, I was angry with God for a decade. I had come through so much in my life and seen so much in my life, good and bad and a lot of violence. And a lot of times I just never believed because I had seen what man can do to man. I I helped perpetrate in some of that. Sure. And then when my, when my wife got really sick, I was so angry. I didn't, you, you would talk to religion with me, I'd kick you out of my house. I didn't want to hear it because my whole take was, why is this happening to her? Why doesn't it happen to me? If there's anything, if there's anybody who needs to go, it'd be me for some of the stuff I've done in my life. Like mm-hmm. I said last time, statues of limitations, thank God they're up or I wouldn't, I'd be so far in a jail cell, you know, <laughs> and, you know, hurting yeah. people in my life, what I've done for a living, bouncing, bounty hunting, illegalities that I've done over my years. But to take somebody like her, who was literally just a beautiful, very Christian uh, Catholic girl from the Philippines and take her off of this earth, I was angry. I was sure. viciously angry. I didn't want to even hear about it. And, you know, and that and then I started orthodoxy found me as my buddy, Sonny, who's Russian, always says, uh, oh, you don't find orthodoxy, it finds you. And we had that long discussion. And, you know, when I, a few weeks ago, I was still having trouble dealing with this one question. Why? Why my wife? Why my wife? Why my wife? And, and that question would just stick in my head, stick in my head to the point where it really angered me. And one day I just I asked uh, my father, Father Wooten, uh, if he could meet with me and I'd like to talk to him. You know, he's a learned priest. We sat down, we talked over coffee and I, he looked at me, he goes, Mike, you strike me as the type of man who takes charge. And if you don't know who takes charge, you take charge. And I said, well, that's pretty much how I've been my whole life. Pretty much alpha. And he goes, now that you have Christ in your life, there's one thing you can't take charge of. And I was like, wow, okay, I understand that. And I said, then tell me something. I said, why did my wife have to go? Why couldn't it have been me? I said, out of all the pieces of crap in this world, why would she be taken? And he looked at me and he grabbed my hand and he said, I can't answer that question. You can't answer that question. Only he can answer that question. But he goes, let me ask you something. Instead of asking why, why, why? Or what happened, what happened, what happened, and constantly beleaguering your mind with this, he goes, ask yourself, what have you learned from it? And I I mean, this light just came on in my head like, wow. I had never looked at it that way. I was looking at it from a strictly selfish point of view. And I realized, God, how selfish can I be? Why, 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 why? Why am I constantly questioning this? It's happened. Why can't I just accept that it's happened because you really have no choice ex- but to accept that it happened because it's, it's fact. And when he said that to me, what have you learned from it? This crazy light just came on and I started self-assessing that night at home. And I told myself, what have I learned from this? I've become a better human being. I've become a more patient human being. I've become a better father. I've become a better provider. I've become fitter. I've become I got my spirituality back, my health back, my beautiful daughter's happy, my mom's happy, I got a beautiful home. I've got all these things gifted upon me. And 
I still keep asking that question. How selfish can I be? Except uh, why can't I give thanks for what I do have and what I have learned from it? And once I started thinking like that, and here again, that was the very last time my wife ever visited me in a dream. It was that very same night. She came to me in the same dress that she married me in, and she walked up to me. She grabbed my face and she kissed me and she said, I'm okay now. And it's just like she drifted away. And that just, mm. I mean, it crushed me because I, I, was, I didn't want her to leave. All this time being selfish, she kept visiting me in these dreams. I never wanted her to go. Now, a lot of people don't believe in things like that. But when I talked to my priest the next day, I told him what happened. And he smiled. And I was kind of inquisitive. And he said, he said, God does things in mysterious ways. We all know that. And he said, he uses people as vessels. He said, you were touched by Christ through your wife because that's the one person you would listen to. Because when she, when she kissed me goodbye, she said, I'm okay now. You can go on in my dream. And I woke up just sweating. And when I told him that, that's when he smiled and he said, Christ uses people as vessels. And that's the only person you would listen to is your wife. Cause I was, she scared the hell out of me. I'd listen to her all the time, <laughs> you know? And ever since then, man, I've just, I've been touched by this grace that my life's changed. I'm changed. I mean, I tell people all the time, don't get it twisted. I'm a better martial artist than I've ever been, but I'm a more right. patient man. More patient. And, <laughs> It'll take you longer I, to mess you up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I've told my priest straight out, I said, father, I carry in church. And he goes, I figured you did. And he goes, but I wish you wouldn't have told me. And I said, why? And he goes, there goes my deniability. So, you know, <laughs> and I just told him, if anything goes wrong, you know, just hit the deck, Father. Because there's several of us in there with backgrounds, you know, carrying all oh, this. Sure. And, and it's just basically, you know, I told him that um, that leads me into trying to put this faith fight and fit program together for churches, for, for good people to learn how to get have faith, to learn how to get fit and learn how to defend yourselves. Just because you may be a Christian does not mean you have to be weak and be bullied upon and martyred for the sake of something. You don't have to. So I've been working on that new program. But all this came about last year when, when I went dark. I had to get right. And I would have never got right if uh, I just didn't unplug. The reason I came back is my so many people were asking about me. And my buddy Brian Holiday said, let's put up a page called Faith Fit Fight and get people involved in this page and so far, since we've had the page up for, I say, five weeks, four weeks, we're over 300 members. There's posts about, it's all, no political no political posts, it's posts about faith, no matter what your faith is, fitness and fighting acumen, putting the three together. And I say we have probably touched 20 to 25 people already who started going back, who started looking into their faith and trying to get right and trying to feel better. And if that's what I'm being used for now, so be it. You know, I'm not an evangelist by any means. I'm just, I'm just an inquirer, man. I'm just trying to learn myself. But if through what I've gone through, if I can help anybody out there, you just need a shoulder to cry on or somebody to talk to. I tell people to call me up, man, because uh, once you've been there, done there and bought the T-shirt, uh, why I may not know the right thing to say, I sure got big enough shoulders to listen to anybody who needs to talk. You know. Right. No doubt. Because if you've been to hell and back, so to speak, in your life, coming through on the other side, mm -hmm. you certainly have a extraordinarily powerful message because it's not learned from a book or a professor no. or some class. It's because you got you, <laughs> you lived it. You lived that shit. You were that guy. Yeah. And and yeah. uh, and as you said, that's how it's done. You, you, it's God doesn't yeah. take guys who are perfect; He takes guys who are imperfect. Yeah. 
Because that's what, you know, that's what I told my priest, you know, we were talking about the other day during class. He was talking about perfection in the church and perfection in the church. And I looked at him. I said, Father, there's no such thing as perfection in the church. He goes, you're absolutely right. And I said, you know why? And he goes, why? And I said, because they'd have never let my ass in the door because I'm the most imperfect (laughs) thing walking. Right. You know. Jordan, after the doctor, I just want to touch on that. So people, so immediately, what did you start to do when you got that bad news outside of the, as far as physically? To get healthy, how did I, you discover stuff? You were just researching stuff like DDP uh, yoga, actually, which is cool. Actually, my mom, my mom uh, had bought me the DDPY yoga thing as a Christmas gift. Didn't know I was getting it, and she brought it to me early. <laughs> That's great. And I guess That's she, was, great. Trying, she yeah. was trying to tell me something early, you know, because my mom's very healthy, very organic. I mean, she's seventy-seven years old, and she'll kick everybody's ass on this talk radio thing, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> so she got me that. And then I started I started using the Internet for good things. I went onto YouTube and I Googled intermittent fasting and I saw something on there. I must have researched for two or three days on intermittent fasting. And I realized there was other programs out there. You still eat good, yummy food. Once after this meal, I don't eat my next meal until 16 hours later. Then I eat all my meals in this eight hour plan because what ended up happening is if you eat all your regular meals at the regular time but just cut calories, all you're doing is telling your brain that you're hungry. With intermittent fasting, you get through that breakfast. Because I usually don't eat a breakfast. I usually eat a late, uh, late brunch around 1130. That's my first meal. But the thing is, once you can get through that meal time and get through without eating, then you're okay because that hunger pain goes away. And what I used to do is I used to schedule my walk at the same time that I would have my very first breakfast. And so now instead of eating a breakfast, I would go and walk and then work out the rest of that morning because you know working for myself i have that luxury and then i would eat all my meals in eight hour span and trust me man i still eat good like tonight's meal i'll have three or four pieces of uh wiener schnitzel i'll have a big helping of sweet potato i'll have a big helping of green beans and i'll have a tossed salad and i'll be full because like i said that's you got to trick the mind just like when we work out with weights or we work out with kettlebells or whatever it is if you do the same thing all the time, your body gets used to it and never going to get the gains that you want. So I started taking the same mindset with eating. And of course, let me be honest, getting rid of the alcohol help, getting rid of all processed garbage help, uh, eating clean, healthy foods, and actually watching your portion control. On occasion, I still smash out like the holiday time when my mom bakes her homemade cookies. I can guarantee put on two or three pounds right back on a stricter fast. And within two days, I'm back to where I need to be. So it's about discipline. Everything in life that I've, I've learned since my wife's repose and through this in this last few years, especially this last year, is in life, you have to have self-discipline. And you have to have something greater than yourself that you care about for that discipline to sink in. And be honest with you, if it was just me, brother, I'd have probably been on a Harley Davidson doing every kind of dope and going crazy after my wife died. But I had something other than myself. I had my daughter. And that held me together long enough to fall back apart where I could get healed. And that's exactly what I do. So now I have this disciplined lifestyle that I lead. Yes, myself, but everything in my life now, I'm the last on the line. It's my God. It's my family. It's others. It's my country. It's me. I'm the last. I'm just a sinner, man. So everything I live, I try to do better by my neighbor. I try to do better by my friends and my family. I try to be a, a better American. I try to be a better Christian. Everything I do, I want to be, I want to do for others. And by doing that, I feel better about myself. I feel gifted. When I teach my students, I'm so much of a better teacher now because I'm patient with them more. 
I don't demand as much as I used because I was dealing with so much and I took it out on everybody instead of taking it on my own shoulders <laughs> and getting right. I was pushing it on everybody else. Uh-huh. The fasting is just a 16 hours on fast eight hours off and always do that overnight. So you sleep at least eight hours of that away. And since I've been doing the fasting, since I've been doing the yoga, oh, I love the yoga. And since I've been doing all that, I sleep like a baby. I'm in bed at nine o'clock at night and up at, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning, ready to rock and roll. Right. So the, yo- you know. the yoga, did you think you would like, I know the DDP yoga, by the way, I do own it and I'm a fan of Diamond Dallas Page and the stories that he's done. There's actually a great documentary called The Resurrection mm-hmm. of Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. Obviously, Diamond Dallas Page was a big part of him getting his life back together. Interesting story. But the yoga for guys like yourself or guys like me, yeah, we often thought, ah, this is for weak men. We don't need this shit. And by the way, the first workout, too, is tough when you're not used to that. You're going, holy smoke. Right. And you and you never think yoga is supposed to make you sore because yoga is supposed to make <laughs> you feel good. I remember the very first day and I was on beginning yoga one and it's a 20 minute session. <laughs> I, I think I popped a Charlie horse. I pulled something in my shoulder and I'm just stretching. But the key <laughs> is, you know, I was just, it was just a stretch one. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, I said, you know what? This stuff is kicking my ass like nothing else. So you know what I did? To really get into yoga, I quit lifting weights. I quit doing kettlebells. I quit doing everything except yoga. I did it every day until all of a sudden, uh, up in, I guess it was in the end of June, I finished all the advanced stuff as well. And I, because I'd lost most of my weight by the end of June, because I lost uh, 83 pounds in seven and a half months, eight months. Shitload of weight. And then all of a sudden, you know, they got the other guy on the program called Yoga Doc. That's where the DDP learned a lot of his because Yoga Doc had trained in so many different yogas. And one day he mentioned something about traditional Ashtanga yoga. And I said, Ashtanga yoga? So I started researching it and I found a couple videos that I bought and I started following these videos on Ashtanga yoga. Now, this is the type of yoga that'll make you cry. This stuff is no joke. It's a 55-minute primary series you got to follow sequences and you got internal five count breathing all through the nose and it's constant breathing and you just sweat and it's fat melting yoga. And I started it's doing fat. that. Oh, it's fat melter. I mean, there was butter all by my feet every time I was done with it. <laughs> and so I found a teacher of that who lives up the road in New Braunfels, Texas. And I started going up there to him and he has me doing stuff now that now I got injured from it because I was stupid and didn't listen to him. So I've been out of it for up at the school for a couple of weeks pulled a muscle and lotus position in my knee, but I'm, I'm doing handstands. I'm doing headstands. I'm doing complete back bends to the arch. When I, when I first started DDP, I couldn't even push myself off the ground. So now I use the DDP as my restorative portion. And I use the uh, Ashtanga as my primary portion. And I, instead of doing it five days a week, I do it three days a week. And then the off days, I supplement maces, kettlebells, battle ropes, body weight, and I tell you what, brother, I'm stronger than I have ever been and more well, flexible than I've ever stuff, been. Right. How's that a f- change in your martial arts? Because last time we spoke, because of your back injuries, you you were focusing on Wing Chun for the postural elements. Have you changed? What back injury? Wow, it took care of it, huh? Yeah, everything is so stretched out. And I don't, while I'm still careful because I know there is an injury back there, Sure. Uh, I'm so limber now, and I, and I know how to stretch now, and I know how to warm my body up before I train, and I know my limitations on where I can move and what I can't do. 
But losing the 84 pounds my or 87 pounds now, my students hate me. They I absolutely they hate do. me. Because <laughs> my, my number one guy, Charlie, he told me, he goes, you know, Sifu? He goes, since you got on this health kick and lost all that weight, he goes, I hate training with you. And I said, why? And he goes, you hit harder than ever and you're faster and you don't ever stop now. You just want to keep on going. And I said, well, I said, that's part of it. But my, he said, my he, according to my students, my speed is, he, they said 50% faster than what it was. Well, I bet it is. You know, because you just take that, you take the slop off and now you can move and you can yeah. do things that you just couldn't do. I was, I was so power oriented before. Now I, I don't worry about power. I just move and have fun with it. You know, like I said, I always make sure that I understand my movement because even though you don't feel the injury, doesn't mean it's not there. Right. And that's Never. crucial. That's yeah. crucial. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You th- ever think that you would have liked to have had the yoga part of your training years ago. You weren't ready for it probably no matter what, but. I wasn't in a mental place for it because years ago before I was married, I was uh, living with a woman who was a yoga instructor. She was hot. Jesus, she was hot. <laughs> it didn't matter. You know yoga. <laughs> it didn't matter. I remember going to one of those yoga classes all, and I was back then, I was power lifting like a brute, man. I was huge mm-hmm. muscle and. I walked into that yoga session, like, leave all these punks and all that. And shit, I came out of there and hurting. And I said, I said, I ain't never doing that. I put on a big front. I ain't doing that punk stuff again. Needless to say, I could barely walk the next day. So right. I wish I'd have had the mental fortitude not to be so egotistical in my past life because I was an egotistical maniac then. And uh, I wish I'd have gone with it then because I tell everybody, you want to get strong, you want to get functional strength for martial arts, yoga. Right. It, it, yeah. it's just it just works it just it, it stretches you out and makes the injuries feel better the joints the this and you couple that with practical like functioning weightlifting and functioning body weight exercises you get all the strength you absolutely need what good does power lifted 650 pounds on a deadlift do for me now at 56 i mean i used to be able to deadlift i think my highest i got was 500 or 475 I, I couldn't even imagine trying to do that now. I, I, I can't even understand why I would do that now. It, it doesn't have any functionary needs for, for what I need. I think a lot of people do so much of this stuff, always heavy lifting and bodybuilding. Then I saw one day, for what? I'm not competing. I've never competed. I never had the genetics for it. And I never got into powerlifting competitions because I could never compete at that level that I would want to. So why do I keep lifting five, 600 pounds? And not, you know, of course, that was all with back injuries and shoulder injuries sure. years later when he was hurt, you know. So I kind of always resonated with me. Why am I tearing up my body on something that there's what's the positive gain from it? Not zero. Yeah, <laughs> there's not. But how, how are you finding motivation now to keep going and doing this and going forward? Is it all through your faith that you, you the website, your daughter, everything? Is that pretty much what drives it, you and motivates you to keep them? Yeah, it's uh, everything you said, man. It, it's my faith. Uh, I absolutely love orthodoxy. I mean, because it's discipline, brother. And I, I love the idea of having a disciplined life again. Actually, not even again for the first time. Really, a really disciplined life that I'm leading and I can uh, that I can be in charge of the life portion and put everything else in charge of the man upstairs. My whole life, I never had the discipline. Mm-hmm. I never did. I mean, yeah, I trained and I always did this, but I ran wild. You know, I was always this violent, angry man. And, uh, you know, I was, I had women all over the place, all these different things. And I like to gamble and I like to drink and you wanted to fight, brother, let's go fight. You know, I was that type of guy. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
I'm, that's what I was. I, I ran with 1% crowds. I did things in other countries, Mexico, that I shouldn't have done. I, I mean, I was just, I mean, I did all this until I got married to my wife. Mm. And even then, sometimes I'd get that wild gypsy itch and go crazy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And she, and God bless her, because she stuck with me through it all, you know? But after all this happened, and I guess for the first time, you know, when they, uh, people always say born again Christian. I don't, no, I'm not a born again Christian. I'm found. I got found. Mike, you know, yeah. for some odd reason, the old man upstairs said, Mike, you're worth something. And he touched my shoulder, man. And I don't know what it is. I, I don't try to tell people, you know, to believe my story, believe anything. Yeah. But I know what happened to me. And I felt what happened to me. And I felt his hand on me. And I felt the presence. Uh, not more than a uh, lot more than one time. And uh, like I said, I go to church every Sunday and I, you know, I go to church on Wednesdays for Vespers and I speak to other warriors that are in my church, guys who from Russia, cause it's a Russian church. You know, we all, everything's in America, but these guys had lives too. And we talk after, uh, plus they have great food after mass. <laughs> We're sitting outside yeah. drinking coffee, eating Blinsk. And this guy's telling me the same story, but you know, he goes, it happened to me when I was in Russia, when I was in the war, this happened to me. And when I exiled to America and became here, I came back to the church here and now I'm here and we're talking story. We're talking AK 47s with guys. We're talking guns. That's so we, funny. We, have a, we have a lot of military guys who've seen war. We have all these people. We get together and talk and they've got similar stories themselves. They've lost a lot of friends. They've lost a wife. They've lost a child. Uh, they've hurt people. They've been in battles. They were, you know, the one buddy of mine from Russia, he did things in Russia. He probably couldn't, can't go back to Russia ever for. And he said the same thing too. He said, I don't know what happened to me. One day I woke up and I was a different man. I'm like, wow, it's the wrong church to come in there trying to push up on anybody. And I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Mike, Great story, man. I really appreciate you yeah. uh, taking the time to share that incredibly powerful story. And it's from the heart. And that's what makes it so yeah. fun. It's a true, honest, exposing your soul and your story. It's very inspirational. And I thank you for that. Yeah, no people, problem. like you're always welcome on the on the show 24-7. Well, how can people, they can find that website or not website. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's on, uh, it's called Faith Fit fight and it's on facebook yeah just send me a invite and i'll check you out and then you get in and, and just like i said we don't do we don't do politics we don't do backbiting uh post up positive stuff man i post up my poetry in there i post up family stuff i post up heck the other day i po- posted up how to smash some dude in the head with a uh, asp if you need to <laughs> you know hey oh, it's like God. santa claus said I'm, I'm i'm only here to pass out presents and punch heretics and i'm all out of presents so hey that's great there awesome. you go you know? mike thank you brother you be good god bless my friend hey god bless you guys thank you appreciate it You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.